Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Everybody made it in okay today? Uh, I hope you didn't. No? <laughs> I hope you didn't have any problem finding a seat this morning. <laughs> uh, I know that, that the weather is, uh, has been bad and the roads are, are a little bit treacherous. Not too bad once you get out on the highways, but uh, I'm glad that you made, your, made the effort to be here today and we welcome you and we're glad that you are here and I uh, hope and pray that God will bless us as we worship God together today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets. We'd like to ask if you would to fill that out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. Also, a, a couple of announcements that we have. You may have noticed on our table, uh, as you come in the, the uh, worship area there, that there is a box that we are, or a basket, I think it is, or something that we are collecting eyeglasses in. And so if you have uh, changed your prescription to your eyeglasses or have some old eyeglasses that you no longer wear, then if you wouldn't mind bringing those and just drop them in, in the basket there, uh, we give those to the Lions Club who um, use those for, uh, for people who cannot afford to buy eyeglasses. And so this is a good ministry for, for our church to be a part of. Also, um, this Tuesday, we'll be having our Joy Lunch, and we invite everyone to come to that. I know it's kind of billed as a senior citizens thing, but anybody can come to that. Just bring a, bring a dish and bring a friend, and uh, we'll have a wonderful time together. And uh, this, the program for, for this week, for this month, is Summer Bennett, and she will be presenting us with some, uh, some holiday music, and, uh, and it, we'll be looking forward to that. That's always a great treat. Also on Wednesday, we will be having our, uh, our dinner on, on Wednesday at 545, and then uh, not Bible study this week. It's a business meeting this week, so uh, hope you can come and be a part of that. Uh, it is cold outside, isn't it? But it's warm in here, and we have warm hearts and... Uh, Oh yes, the yeah, yeah the deacons the deacons gathering at uh, at Greg's is canceled for today. It'll be rescheduled for another time a little bit later on. So so don't don't come to Greg's house. I won't be anybody there. <laughs> you can come if you want to. Stand on the front door and look pitiful. <laughs> okay, no pleasant point today. And also, there, there will not be a children's choir on Wednesday, um, uh, but I, I know it's the season. A lot of things are, are going. The weather is kind of throw, throw a curveball for everybody, but, uh, but we're glad you're here. And let's, let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord this morning.
Please be seated. Bless the reading of this word. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness. He shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, the lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand over the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples, the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Glad to see you made it out today. Was it slick? Really slick. Like like snow sledding slick? All right. What can you tell me about hope? What is what is hope? Mmm, tough one, isn't it? When do you start hoping for what you're gonna get for Christmas? Like right now or maybe last week or last month? Last Christmas, there you go. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little short story. Actually, it's the story about the scripture she just read. That, that was from Isaiah, verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah was a prophet, and God told him that there would be a, a child born, a Savior to come to the earth. Now, how long before Jesus was actually born do you think Isaiah told this story? 730 some odd years. So the people of the, the Christians of the earth held on to that hope for 700 years, knowing that that's what God had promised them, and that's what would take place. So, uh, and it's been, what, almost 2,000 years since the birth of Christ, and he told us when he, when he was crucified and resurrected that he would come again. So we've been holding on to that hope for almost 2,000 years. So, hope, what we see as hope, we hold on to and what we think about in a, a short amount of time, time span, years. God doesn't, he 
He doesn't put a, a time span on hope. Hope goes on forever as long as you believe and as long as you love, love God with all your heart. Hope stays alive. So as we go through this Christmas season, maybe we can think more about what this season is really about than what we might like under the tree. All right, let's say a prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you give us. We thank you for the opportunities to be in your house and worship you and fellowship with our fellow Christians. But most of all, we thank you for hope. Hope is what you've given us since you sent your son to this earth. And hope is what we hold on to until he returns again. We bless these children and the people who teach them in your heavenly name. Amen. Let us pray. God of hope, you raised up John the baptizer as a herald who calls us to conversion. As we joyfully await the glorious coming of Christ, we pray to you for the needs of the church and the world. Hear our humble prayer, O God that we may serve you in holiness and in faith and give you voice to your presence among us until the day of your coming of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen.
Well, I'm beginning early today, which means I have longer to preach, doesn't it? <laughs> Actually, I think we'll uh, be getting out of here a little bit early today, um, but that's okay. I, I see I'm getting a little applause there. <laughs> I want to begin by telling a story um, uh, about a woman named Gerta Weissman. Uh, Gerta Weissman um, conducted a radio interview a while back. She was a survivor from a Nazi concentration camp, and she recalled an episode when she and her fellow inmates stood for roll call for hours on end, nearly collapsing from hunger and fatigue while they stood out there. And she said, we noticed in the corner of this bleak, horrid, gray place that there was a crack in the concrete in a corner of the lot, and a flower had poked its head through it. And she said, you would see thousands of feet shuffle every morning to avoid stepping on that flower. And it is no wonder that they were careful not to step on that flower. You see, that tiny little flower poking its head through the concrete represented hope and beauty to the women in that concentration camp. Well, the prophet Isaiah knew exactly what those women were feeling. The year was 700 B.C., 700 years before the coming of Christ, and the Jews had been fighting for four decades against the Assyrians and sometimes the Egyptians. And their will to resist their enemies was nearly depleted, They were living through what has been called the first holocaust of the Jews, which took place between 740 and 700 B.C. My former boss and friend, Dr. Bill Self, describes this awful time with these words. He said five times during these 40 years, the vast and superior Assyrian army stampeded through the hill country of Israel, working terror and destruction wherever it went. With no regard for anyone's culture, no regard for anyone's religion, no regard for anyone else's life, they came like a scorpion plague devouring everything and everyone in their path. Over and over and over, the people of Judah had been ravaged. The horrible sounds of war were ever familiar. The cries of pain seldom ceased. Who could plant a field and have any hope that it would survive to harvest? Who could bear a child with any confidence that it would reach maturity? It was a horrible 40 years, those years in which Isaiah lived. But my friends, Isaiah refused to give in to the despair of his time. He still managed to hope in God. And under the leadership of God's Holy Spirit, Isaiah was able to write these words, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. 
With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. What Isaiah was doing here was prophesying the coming of Messiah. Now remember that all of everything around him, all around him, things appeared to be desolate. Things appeared to be hopeless. The reign of Israel's greatest king, King David, the son of Jesse, was a distant memory that was long ago. But he compares it to a stump that is left in the forest after a great tree has been cut down. And what he is saying here is that like Gerd of Eisman's flower poking its head through that concrete, on this stump of Jesse a shoot will appear and a new tree will emerge bearing much fruit. And when that day comes, he says, the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf, and the lion, and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down to, uh, their, their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand in the viper's nest, and they will... They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In other words, those who had previously been natural enemies will live peaceably together. And this will be an example for all nations. And that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. And his resting place will be glorious. My friends, this is one of the greatest statements of hope in all of literature, I believe. And at this time of the year when we celebrate the birth of that that shoot from the stump of David, Jesus of Nazareth. These words are just as precious to us today as they were to the people of Isaiah's time. You see, our hope is based on our faith in God. There is really no other foundation for hope in this world because, you see, economics, economic systems will crumble. We have seen it throughout history. Governments rise and fall. But, folks, let me tell you something. God's truth marches on throughout all the ages, and in that we can place our hope. James DeLoach wrote a book titled <clears throat> When God is Taken Captive, and, and he, in that book he puts it like this. He said, I'm not a connoisseur of great art, but from time to time a picture will really speak a clear, strong message to me. Some time ago I saw a picture of an old burned-out mountain shack. All that remained was the chimney, the charred debris of what had been the, the family's sole possession. In front of this destroyed home stood an old grandfather-looking man, dressed only in his underclothes, with a small boy clutching a a pair of patched overalls. It was evident that the child was crying, and beneath the picture were the words that the artist felt the old man was speaking to the boy. They were simple words, yet they represented a profound theology and a philosophy of life. These were the words. Hush, child. God ain't dead. Hush, child. God ain't dead. 
And that's what keeps hope alive for us, even in the darkest times of our lives. God is not dead. And you know, children sometimes understand hope far better than we do. They do. Psychiatrist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross tells about visiting a children's barracks in one of the German death camps after World War II. And and in those horrible camps, what she expected to see were symbols of, of fear and cruelty. But what she found on the walls of those barracks were drawings that the children had made. Drawings all over the walls of butterflies. A universal symbol of hope and joy. So where does, that, where does that kind of hope come from? It can only come from God. I mean, how else could Isaiah write of, of a time when the wolf would live with the lamb and the leopard would lie down with the goat and the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child would lead them? How could he write about these things? He wrote these words in the... In a time of, the, of mo, the most desolation ever imaginable. He wrote these words of peace when there was no peace. He wrote these words when there was no evidence that, there was a, that any, any of this kind of faith would ever be rewarded. There was no philosophical optimism that could justify this. The only explanation for Isaiah's words predicting peace and prosperity was his unfailing faith in a righteous and powerful God. A lot of people would have given up. And I'm sure that there were a lot of people in Isaiah's day who did give up. And you know something? There is nothing sadder than when hope dies. Resignation is the most potent sign of loss of faith in God. The atheist is not nearly as dead in his faith as the person who has simply given up trying. And I know that that is a great temptation at this time of the year in our, in our society like ours. William Willimon tells about a poor, out-of-work coal miner in Appalachia years ago who caught his children on the back porch of their house thumbing through a Sears catalog, wishing for things that he would never be able to provide for them. So this poor man, seeing what they were doing, flew into a rage. He switched their legs, he tore the catalog into little bits, and then he sat down in his backyard and wept. He had lost hope. John Jewell tells about a young 19-year-old girl named Virginia who was pregnant when she lived, went to live with her 15th set of foster parents. Her case file read like a textbook example of neglect and abuse and bureaucratic failure. She sat silently in a chair with her hands neatly folded in her lap, the foster parents had been apprised of Virginia's story and promised that this placement would be temporary. Temporary seemed to be the story of Virginia's life. And finally, the foster mother said, are you frightened, Virginia? And she said, kind of, without even looking up. And she said, I've been in a lot of homes. 
And the sympathetic woman tried to reassure her and said, well, let's hope that this time it turns out for the best. Then John said that Virginia's reply was one of those statements that sticks to your soul. It was flat, without a change of tone and without Virginia even looking up. She said it hurts too much to hope. Well, my friends, I hope that you never get to that point in your life when it hurts too much to hope. Though I suspect that some of you know what she was talking about. It's, it's common knowledge in the medical community that the holidays can bring a sharp increase in, in depression. It seems that our expectations for the seasons are, are just too high, and sometimes they go unmet and, and we're disappointed. But folks, there is no deeper depression anywhere than that experienced by someone who cannot hope. And I know that sounds awful. And it is awful. But we need to remember in our grand society that there are people who do live close to the edge and their lives are almost always hopeless. But here's the good news for you today, my friends, and here's the good news for all of those people out there who do live on the edge, for all of those people out there for whom life is just a constant struggle. And here's the good news. Hope is what Christmas is all about. That's why these words from Isaiah thrill our hearts when we read them during this Advent season of the year. In the midst of a holocaust, in the midst of societal despair, Isaiah dared to envision a time when God's reign would be fulfilled and that there would truly be peace on earth. He said a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And it may look bleak now. The tree has been cut down and all there is is a stump. But a shoot will come up from that stump. And from his roots a branch will bear fruit. He was predicting the coming of Christ hundreds of years before it happened. A Messiah will come and righteousness will be restored. In his book titled The Touch of Wonder, Arthur Golden, or, or Gordon rather, tells about a man who had been a skydiver until on his 19th jump his parachute failed to completely open and his emergency chute wrapped around his partially collapsed main chute and the result was that he slammed into a dry lake bed going 60 miles an hour. Doctors thought this broken remnant of a man would never leave the hospital And they told him so. And so he sank into a deep depression. But in that hospital, he had frequent visits from another patient. A man whose spinal cord had been severed in an automobile accident. This was a man who would never walk. A man who would never even lift a finger again. But he was always cheerful. And he would say, I certainly don't recommend my situation to anyone, and yet I can read, I can listen to music, and I can talk to people. Gordon writes, and yet, those two words, and yet, 
shift the focus from what has been lost to what remains and to what may still be gained. In fact, those words give so much hope and so much determination to that that skydiver that he came through his ordeal and today he walks without even a limp. My friends, in a world filled with pain and defeat, in a world where might often makes right and the worst often crowds out the best, this baby, born in Bethlehem, is God's and yet. Cruel Herod is on the throne of Judea. Deified Augustus Caesar is still extending his power, the power of Rome And yet, Mary and Joseph make their slow, arduous journey to Bethlehem. And today, Herod and Caesar are just footnotes in dusty old history books, while the baby that Mary bore reigns in the highest heavens. And one day, his kingdom will be made manifest when the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all all peoples when the nations will rally around him and his resting place will be glorious. That, my friends, is what Christmas is all about. So enjoy the lights. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the food, the gifts, the love of family and friends, but never lose sight of the hope of Christmas. For there will come a time when you too will be going through your own time of despair and you'll need to lift your eyes from your sorrow to your Savior. From your misery to your manger to the manger where salvation lies. My friends, our hope is based on our faith in God because we know that God is a loving God. And we know that God watches over God's children. No matter how desperate things may seem, we know that God is always faithful to be by our side. And our hope is like that flower breaking through a slab of concrete. It is a shoot shoot coming up from the, the stump of Jesse. And hope is what Christmas is all about. So during this Advent and Christmas season, turn your eyes to the baby who was born in Bethlehem, the one foretold by Isaiah in the midst of the ruins of his day. Because, my friends, where God is, there is hope. And that hope never dies. Amen. We light the first candle, reminding us of God's promise of peace on earth. This is a reading from Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy, and crush the oppressor. 
May he live while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days, may righteousness flourish and peace abound until the moon is no more. O God, we remember that you sent Jesus to the world and especially to the poor and those in need. We remember that Jesus healed the sick, comforted those who mourn, and went out of his way to love even little children. Lord, may the light of the second candle, as it dispels the darkness around it, help to remind us that we are to dispel the darkness of sickness, poverty, injustice, and suffering all around us. Come, Lord Jesus. our God and Savior, you have come among us this day. You have opened our minds to understand your purpose for each of us. You have opened our hearts that we may respond to your voice. You have given us an understanding of your will and the courage 
to make your will a reality as we follow our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, may we heed your call to repent. May we bring forth fruits that show who we are, your children. And may we live our lives in the true hope that the day will come when you, your will shall be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Amen.